And for obvious reasons, that hasn't happened because Ben's been a little out of pocket. Let me tell you a secret, Ben. You couldn't have done any better than you have. And I know it's only God because as I worked this week, you were thousands of miles away. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. If you want to turn with your Bibles to the book of Exodus, we're going to go way back today as we continue our study. This morning you looked at the book of Revelation, Exodus chapter 3. You want to go there and hold it? We're just going to park on a couple of verses this morning. But so far in our study throughout the month of January and now as we turn the page into February, uh, we focused on discovering a few things about our church, not just our church, but the life of every believer. Uh, we've discovered Christ's purpose, Christ's plan, and how His presence makes all the difference. And then last week, uh, we discussed how His power working in and through us equips us to do the impossible. Uh, so today, we're going to take the next step together and continue that process. But in your Bible study this morning, you looked at the church at Thyatira, right? That church was a church that could be counted on. Uh, that church was going to do the right thing under pressure Note that word pressure. They maintained tremendous endurance and patience before God. They weren't going to slip backwards, uh, nor were they going to stand still. They were going to move forward. They were a church that was pressing steadily forward in their faith and their ministry. That church was strong in love, but they tolerated evil. And little by little, as they tolerated false doctrine, they were led astray from the purity that God demands. Jesus told the church, be faithful, stay away from heresy, and keep yourself pure, and I will place you in a position of authority over the nations. One thing we learn as we study the, the um, area that Thyatira was in is we see that the city was poorly located. It was in a bad spot to defend itself. In reality... Uh, the situation of that city was to be a front line of defense for other cities, to protect other cities. When the enemies came, soldiers would fight the enemy at that city and then send word back to cities like Pergamum that the enemy was coming. Therefore, the city became a diversion to protect the citizens further up the valley, and for obvious reasons, Thyatira was wiped out quite frequently and often had to be rebuilt and restored. In a lot of ways, this city sounds so familiar. This church sounds so familiar. When we see God's provision, uh, we're reminded, as they were, to continue to fight the good fight. So today, as we take the next step together, building off of understanding God's power, I want to talk for a few minutes about God's provision. So during the next few moments, I want us to look at the scriptures and discover how God provides for us when we faithfully obey the last thing that he told us to do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would just 
Father, speak to us through your word. Move in our midst, Father. I know we all have a lot going on. There's a lot on our calendars. We have things on our plate that we're dealing with. But right now, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and give us the guidance and direction you want us to go. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We often have moments in our life when we know we should act, right? But we don't feel like we're able or equipped to do what is called of us. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's a task that you've been given at work. Maybe there's an issue that you're facing in your home or in your neighborhood with your family. And you think, God, I'm just not equipped to meet the need at hand. Or maybe you're overwhelmed and seemingly have lost control, wondering how to survive day to day in this world. My friends, God has placed truths all throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture to affirm the promise of provision. If we would only step out in faith and trust God's provision in our lives, incredible things will begin to happen. Doors of ministry will open, will burst open, and God's blessing of provision will rain down on us. So today I'm asking you a simple question. Will you take a step of faith with me? See, the key truth, and oftentimes I'll do this, so if you want to shut off after I read this sentence, you'll get the key truth for today. But today's key truth is this. God gives a promise of provision when we are obedient to His call on our lives. God gives a promise of provision when we are obedient to His call on our lives. So let's think about Moses for a minute. You're in Exodus chapter 3, so you're obviously going to talk about this individual. What do we know about Moses and his history? Where was Moses born? Okay, what nationality is Moses? Egyptian? He's Hebrew, right? Y'all know the story about his birth, right? He was born during a time when what? Okay, they're enslaved in Egypt. And Pharaoh decides to do what? Get rid of the babies, right? So Moses' mother places Moses where? In a basket in the river. And who picks up the basket? The daughter of Pharaoh. And then takes Moses in. But who raises Moses? Pharaoh's daughter? His own mother raises Moses in the house of Pharaoh. And then we track along his journey and we find that Moses ended up understanding his culture and his heritage. And he sees his people being oppressed under slavery. And then he does what? He acts out. He kills someone. And then he runs. And when he runs, he finds himself where? Anyone know? In Midian, in Midian. Now, if you look at a map, look at a map. I want you to do this. When you have free time, when you're not watching the ball game tonight, I want you to look at a map of ancient Egypt. And I want you to think about the journey that the people of Israel had when they left Egypt and how Midian played in that role. It's incredible, the plan and provision that God has for us. So he fled to Midian And he met this family in Midian. And he became what? Anyone know what kind of occupation Moses took up? He became a shepherd, right? And married this woman 
of the tribe of Midian. And anyone know this woman's father's name? His Jethro becomes his father-in-law, and he plays a key role down the line. But here in Exodus 3, we find Moses as a shepherd in the land of Midian. And then what happens next? He sees something. As he's tending his flock like he does every day, Moses sees something. Something catches Moses' eye that's different. Something is on fire. So Moses goes to check it out. And when he goes to check it out, he finds something interesting about this thing that's on fire. What's burning? It's a bush. Now, what's interesting about this bush that's on fire? It's not burning up. It's not being consumed. It continues to burn over and over and over. And then he has an interaction with God because God speaks to him through the burning bush. And he finds himself on holy ground. And here we see this interaction. Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. What is um, God asking of Moses here in this interaction? He has a plan to save his people. He has heard the cry of his people in Egypt. And he is sending someone to rescue them. Rescue them. So look at me at chapter, look with me at chapter 3, verse 10. And when you found it, let me know you found it. You found it? Everyone there? We're ready to go? Oh, look, it's on the screen. Chapter 3, verse 10, okay? We're not going to look very deep today. But there's something incredibly deep in something very ordinary that we read all the time. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, God speaks to Moses and he says this, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Simple command. And Moses responds in five ways. Okay, we're not going to go in depth. You can write these quickly. I maybe can give you a reference, but they're in three and four. This interaction between God and Moses. Moses says, I mean, God tells Moses, I want you to come save my people. And Moses provides God with five different excuses. He says, God, I am inadequate. I cannot do this on my own. God, why would you send me? I'm not one you want to send. Literally, chapter 3, verse 11, who am I? And then he says, God, I am ignorant. I don't know what to say because if, they, if I go and they ask me questions, I won't be able to answer those questions. Have you all ever been there? I can't live out my faith or I can't share my faith because I won't know the answer. God, I'm too ignorant to be your disciple. He tells that in chapter 3, verse 13. And then he turns the tide a little bit and says, you know what, they will not believe me. They will not believe me when I go and tell them that you're sending me to save them and rescue them out of Egypt. He answers with unbelief, number three. Number four, he says, I am inarticulate. Let me go back. The third one is chapter four, verse one. And then number four, I am inarticulate. I cannot speak well. I am not eloquent. Chapter 4, verse 10. I am not good with words. God, why would you send me? And then number 5, after he provides those other excuses, he gives one more. 
chapter 4, verse 13. I'm just not going to do it, God. Now, y'all have never been there, have you? Have y'all ever been in a situation that God is telling you to do something? You know for a fact God's calling you to do something. Have you ever answered in one of these ways? God, I'm not the person you want to use. I'm inadequate. God, I'm ignorant. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about your word to be used in a mighty way. God, if I do what you're telling me to do, people won't believe me because they know who I am and they know what I've done. God, I just don't have the words. I'm not eloquent. I just can't speak properly. You can't use me in this way. And at heart, we all say this, don't we? God, I just don't want to do it. You ever been there in your life? Have we ever been there as a church? You see, as a church, we make excuses for not doing what God's calling us to do, don't we? We need more money. We need more people. We need more equipment. We need more volunteers. We need more musicians. We need more leaders. My friends, your church's ability, our church's ability to minister is never limited by our resources. Your ability to impact the world in your life is never limited by the resources at your disposal. It's driven by God's provision in your life. Now look at this. Chapter 3, verse 10, God calls Moses out. Right? Let's look at chapter 4. Go to chapter 4. Everybody in chapter 4? Chapter 4, verse 2. How does God respond? Incredible how he responds here. The Lord said to Moses, What is in your hand? God's response to Moses and his excuses. And he says, what is in your hand? Moses replied, a staff. What is a staff? A staff is the instrument that Moses used to guide his flock, right? It was a tool that Moses has had in his hand throughout his time as a shepherd. His number one resource you can't leave home without it. you got to have it every day. You see, there's a key truth about God's provision found within this passage. Number one, God will provide. Just look at God's call on Moses. Moses began a litany of reasons why it was impossible. And finally, God asked Moses, what is in your hand? God always provides us with the resources that we need to accomplish the task at hand. In reality, God doesn't need to provide any resources for what we're not doing, right? If you sit in the blue chair, you don't need anything to sit in the blue chair, right? But the moment you get up and you start moving, you need God to provide in a miraculous way. When we begin to obey God's call on us in our lives, we will see the promise of provision in action. Let's look quickly at Joshua. Look on the screen and follow this because I want you to stay in Exodus. Joshua chapter 3, the people were on the journey. And when they had set out, chapter 3, verse 14, when they set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, they had to cross 
the river. The problem with crossing a river is what? The water, right. The river is a problem. The priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant came before the people. So we have the people of Israel that were going to cross the Jordan. And in front of the people were were the priests who were carrying what? The Ark, yes. So they were going to cross. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water... Now the Jordan overflows all of, its bl- all of its banks throughout the harvest time. And the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. You see, as soon as the nation obeyed and followed God's direction... They experienced an obstacle, did they not? And God told them to go cross the river. And so they obeyed when it seemed impossible. And God moved when? When did God move in this instance? When their feet hit the water. When they stepped out in faith, trusting that only God could provide, did God move. And part the waters and allowed them to cross the sea. We, we see that happen in the New Testament, don't we? Somebody gets out of a boat and steps out onto the water. And then when they take their eyes off Jesus, what happens? They begin to sink. Just as God didn't stop the waters of the Jordan until the priest's feet dipped into the water, so often God waits until we start marching before He provides the required resources in our lives. My friends, I'm asking you a simple question. Will you take a step of faith with me this morning? We understand that God always provides the resources available, the resources that we need when we step out in faith. But we also need to remember that He will always provide the leadership when we step out in faith. God has prepared leadership for us. In such a time as this. The most important thing for us to do. As a body of believers. The most important thing for us to do right now. Is to pray for our leadership. That God has provided for us. We need to pray with confidence. That God is providing us. With our needs. And will bless our obedience to his plan. We need to pray for our executive team as they lead. We need to pray for all of our ministry teams as they lead out in the different ministry areas. We need to pray for our deacons as they serve our church. We need to pray for our Sunday school leadership. We need to pray for you and me. That God would equip us and provide us with the wisdom and guidance as we move and we obey the last thing God has told us to do. You know, God can take care of what you already have and use it powerfully. At times, churches fixate on what they don't have. We think about all the resources that are not available to us, and we fail to recognize what God has already given us. You see, looking at Moses, God asked Moses, What? What is in your hand? Moses may have already used that staff for 40 years. As a shepherd, he used that tool every day. 
But he had no idea that in God's hands it could become such a mighty instrument. As long as Moses gripped it in his hands, it was just an everyday tool. But as soon as he released his grip, it became anything but an everyday tool. We see that as he goes into Egypt, how Moses used that staff to lead the people. We see him use the staff to enact the plagues. And in reality, my friends, we have to answer the same question that God has asked Moses. When we look to leadership and we look to the next step, as we trust in God's provision, as we take this journey together, God asks us a simple question. What is in your hand? What resources has God given us that if surrendered to Him, He could use powerfully? But the only way God will use what we have in a mighty way is when we trust Him enough to loosen our grasp on it. The key is not for us to focus on what's missing. Rather, we must look to see who God has placed in our midst, then ask Him to reveal how He intends to use us to build His church. The question remains, will you take the step of faith with me? You see, I feel I'm convicted, and I've been in discussions with many pastors this week over this topic. In a lot of ways, the church, Big C Church, I'm not talking about bearing cross, we have failed in the task that when we have a need, we look outside our walls to meet the need, do we not? When we have a void in leadership, when we have a question we don't know how to answer, we ask someone else who doesn't know who we are, who doesn't understand the resources available to us, to step out in faith and follow God's direction. When in reality, our first step would be to fall on our faces and pray before God. And then ask God, what have you already given us? How can we meet the need in our midst? I firmly believe that the next generation of leadership of our church, of Bearing Cross, is in this room, in this building, in this congregation. Our task, together, is for us to raise up the next generation of leadership. And that's on me, and that's on you. Because the next generation of leaders is at the D-Now this weekend. The next generation of leaders is in the children's ministry. So we have to dig in and invest in those areas and train up leaders to lead Bearing Cross for the next generation. That's the only way God is going to provide the leadership that knows who we are and how we can impact this community for Christ. It's not by looking outside these walls. It's by rallying around each other, locking arms, and training the next generation to be disciples for Christ. Our responsibility, my friends, is to obey. Every time God places us in a position of need, He enables us to experience firsthand that He is our provider. God is faithful to provide for every need we have as we obey Him. Faith is always, always linked to action. The truth is, faith is not expressed by what we say. We say we have faith. But it's put into action when we do it. When we do it. God expects us to be faithful to the task at hand, regardless of how great or small it may seem. I've been in various team meetings the last few weeks, and we've talked about issues and struggles we've had to overcome. Last Sunday, 
We place them on the altar. I asked you point blank, what are obstacles that we have as a church that prohibit us from moving forward? And you laid those on the altar. And we ask God to provide. And let me tell you, my friends, God will provide for our needs. Philippians 4.19 tells us, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul declared that when you invest in God's kingdom, God will ensure you always have enough. God blesses kingdom-centeredness and not self-centeredness. As the risen Christ walked among the lampstands that we see in Revelation chapters 1 through 3, He spoke words of encouragement to the congregations. According to their individual situations, they were a little different based on every church. If they viewed themselves as children of the king, they could step out in confidence. My friends, do you view yourselves as children of the king? Then why are you not stepping out in confidence? The important factor was not how much treasure they had as a church. And that really doesn't matter to us either. It doesn't matter how much treasure we have. It doesn't matter what our building looks like. It doesn't matter what our budget looks like. What matters is how much treasure God has and the resources available to Him. And when we are obedient to God and we tap into His resources, He will provide all that we would ever need. Heaven's resources are inexhaustible, my friends, and entirely reliable. My prayer for you Listen closely because you don't hear this much from the pulpit, but we're going to say it right here. My prayer is not that you would go buy a lottery ticket. My prayer is that you would tap into the power of God in your life and allow that power to flow into our church. God's bank account is larger than any bank account that would hit the lottery. And His resources are so much deeper than any we could ask or imagine. So if we trust and lean into His power and in His provision for our lives, He will take care of every need we would ever have. Our answer to our problems is never money, personally or corporately. It's never money. It's obedience to God's call on our lives. God gives a promise of provision when we are obedient to His call. The truth is, God can lead any church to a vibrant future, However, He requires the church to humble themselves and seek His direction. If we will do this, there will never be a need that we face that God does not have a generous supply to meet it. God gives a promise, a provision, when we are obedient to His call on our lives. So two questions. Then we'll pray, and then we'll eat, and then we'll discuss. Two questions. Number one, what is in your hand? Whatever need that you have in your life right now, maybe God has already provided the answer. Maybe you just need to open your hands and let go of the grass that you have on your life. As a church, 
What need do we have? Have we loosened the grasp on what is in our hand? And are we allowing God to provide? Question two. Are you ready to take a step of faith? Just like Moses and just like the people of Israel, God is waiting with all of his blessings, with his storehouses open and ready. He's waiting on us to take a step of faith. He's ready to pour out his blessing on you and on this church. But we have to take a step of faith. Are you ready to do that this morning? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you again and again, over and over, for your word. How incredible your word is and your plan for our lives. Father, just as you called Moses out and he provided all these excuses, we do the same thing. But I pray that as we rally together, unified as one body, And as we step out in faith, that you would meet our needs. And Father, I don't know the issues that we're dealing with in our lives, the struggles that we have going on internally, but I pray that you would provide for these needs, that you would meet us where we are and take us where you want us to go, and that you would bless us as we are obedient to your call because your promise of provision is real. Help us to lean into that today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I just want to have a few moments of invitation and that's